Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm here with Avery. Hey. And Greg. Hey. Nometh Hubertson today. He's building a house uh, inside his house or something. I don't know. He's like <laughs> talking about building some shit. I have no clue. Um, so he's building something and he can't join us, but that's fine. We'll, we'll move on without him and get some of his thoughts from our Pac-12 basketball expert later. For now, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod and send us an email at No Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com. This is our basketball episode recapping the week in Pac 12 hoops. We had a lot of action in Pac 12 basketball this week, so let's just get right into it. Um, first, let's start as we did last week talking about our peak of the pack. And now the peak of the pack. <laughs> So much pomp and circumstance for one week of Pac-12 basketball. Completely fine. Let's do it. Um, Every basketball episode, we talk about which teams had the best week. We had 27, by my count, Pac-12 games since we last talked. So knowing what's transpired, Greg, who had the best week this week in Pac-12 basketball? Gotta be Arizona, right? Like, I don't think think you can choose anyone else. they did go to overtime with Wichita State, but at the same time, that's a solid program. And I feel like if they if they played that game again, Arizona wouldn't let Wichita get back into the game. Uh, and then, of course, there was the Michigan game on Sunday, where uh, you know, top five Michigan. I get they had a loss, but you know, new way people hadn't come out, so they were still top five, and uh, they just like thoroughly beat Michigan. Like, not at all a fluke. They were just very clearly the better team. Christian Coloco, Benedict Matherin, and uh, Azulis Tabellas all had great games, especially Coloco. He had 22 points and was just unstoppable against Hunter Dickinson, who I think a lot of people had as like a first-team All-American coming into this year, and I know he finished last year as a second-team All-American. Just like an extremely, impre- extremely impressive performance, you know, and they're undefeated so far this year. It's just... They've been very impressive. I think they're the second best team in the conference right now. Yeah, I, I watching that game, um, Arizona's size is just such a huge problem. Um, it's going to be a problem for a ton of teams this year. Um, it, uh, even even maybe even giving UCLA some trouble on the interior. We're actually recording this as the UCLA Bellarmine game is happening right now, and I'm sort of watching that um, as part of the Empire Classic where they'll play Gonzaga tomorrow. But um, like what Arizona was doing on the interior and and with those bigs, Azulis Tubelis and Christian Coloco, like insane. Some some insane mm-hmm. plays. Like having Azulis Tubelis uh kind of get entry passes to Christian Coloco from like twenty feet out was like it looked insane just watching that. Um, Christian Coloco really had Hunter Dickinson, who was again like you said supposed to be an elite. Big Ten big man having putting him in a in, in a spin cycle a couple of times and working him inside defensively felt like uh, Hunter Dickinson had to work pretty hard for everything that he got. Um, that was an impressive performance. I thought Arizona looked awesome against Wichita State for most of that game. Kind of fell apart kind of early, but um, no, I mean it was it was an impressive game. I was uh, I was I was wildly impressed with what. Arizona did I don't know grapes did you get to watch much of this game and and what did you think if you did yeah I thought it was a really good game I was super concerned about Arizona after the Wichita State game like Greg said Wichita State's still a solid program but beating Wichita State really narrowly going up against Michigan who I think Michigan's a little bit overhyped and overrated I was still really concerned because there's just a lot of sloppy play in that Wichita State game like just a ton of turnovers poor shooting it just felt like everybody was running around with their heads cut off and it they didn't really click until overtime they destroyed Michigan this was not a close game at all this is a very impressive win and Michigan had a tough loss to Seton Hall last week but they're still ranked in the top 25 so it's a really good win especially since Arizona played before these games like three 
probably had the worst schedule in the conference, right? They're they were playing terrible teams, but they they were really good, and I think they clearly had the best week of anyone in the conference. Yeah, it, yeah, and and you know, to the other person, we're talking a lot about those bigs and um and what they were doing, but to your point, Greg, around Benedict Matherin, like he's really he's he's a great shooter, really good. It's it's. It's a it's a luxury to have two big men who are just very skilled and can do a lot on the interior. Azulis Tabellas being able to step out even to three, and then also have Benedict Matherin on the perimeter like that. Um, and that also, was such a luxury. Uh, Kerr Krisa, I think that's how you Krisa, say his name. Kerr Krisa, yeah. Krisa, okay. Uh, like I, he didn't shoot well in that game, but uh, seven assists. You know, he facilitated really well, and you need that when your uh, offense is predicated around having two really good bigs. And a couple of critical chart took a couple of critical charges too. Yeah. Um, kind of late to, you know, force a force a turnover or or get someone in uh, in some foul trouble. So no, I mean they they have they have contributors all over the place. It's gonna be super interesting. Um, super balanced team. Yeah. yeah. Grapes. Who was your Who was your peak of the pack? Was it Arizona or did you have someone yeah. else in mind? Yeah, it was Arizona. I mean, I'm still really high on Utah, considering they're undefeated. They haven't had any of those big wins, like Michigan or Villanova with UCLA. But they did beat Tulsa and Boston College, which are yeah. both top 150 in Ken Palm. I mean, I know like no great shakes there, but I, I mean they they did sweep that so yeah. and, and did so convincingly. And they did across the country, like they traveled to florida i believe mm-hmm. in the sunshine slam like nobody needs to have that information i don't even have <laughs> it but it was it was pretty convincing win so um, uh, jury's still out on utah but i think they're gonna surprise a lot of people yeah well um you, did you did you happen to watch either of those games uh what did you what did you see that i was just kind of looking at the box yeah, score I and that was like hard to find on i didn't TV. get to watch it because the only way to watch it was this really obscure streaming website that you had to pay 30 bucks for a subscription so that's right and i wasn't like able to watch them in their entirety so i wasn't gonna pay 30 bucks like the boston college game was right before utah's game against oregon on Saturday. So like I'm not going to pay 30 bucks to watch 15 minutes of that, you know, but just watching the box scores and listening to all the bigger Utah fans than me apparently that paid the $30 <laughs> to live tweet this game. Oh, like, Richard. Sound- yeah, <laughs> or Richard. It's please uh stream this podcast so I can afford to pay for these obscure streams. Anyways, they it sounded like it was pretty convincing. There was a few moments where they stumbled a little bit, but that makes sense considering how new everything is for this team. Greg, did you Brent, get to watch any of Utah? I uh, was also box score watching, but I was like, I was following the ESPN game casts, like just during the other Pac-12 games that were happening, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously I couldn't see other than just the highlights that Utah's account tweeted. But uh, Brandon Carlson statistically been really good. Like, yeah, I've been I've been very pleased as a Utah fan with uh, how how he's performed so far this year. Yeah, yeah, we'll have a lot more to talk about next week. Oh, yeah, yes. Utah team. <laughs> Big test for Utah on Saturday against BYU that just smacked the shit out of Oregon. We'll talk about that in a minute, but. Um, yeah, I think you both hit the hit the obvious winner there with Arizona and, and a little bit of Utah. I think another winner was Washington State. They're now yeah. up to number forty nine. <laughs> They're Kim still Pong. winning. Yeah, went two and zero since we last. Yeah, they went two and zero since uh, we last spoke on Monday, beating the absolute piss out of Idaho, and then taking care of business against uh, what figures to be a good UC Santa Barbara team. Santa Barbara is top one hundred in Ken Palm. There were ninety three last time I checked. Um, and for reference, that's a better opponent than anyone USC or Utah has played. And and mm-hmm. up until the Michigan game, or up until the Wichita State game, better than anyone Arizona had played. Um, not to knock on those teams, but just to kind of highlight how that was a tougher opponent for um, Washington State and the Cougs. Um, yeah, F.A. Abigidi, their 6'10 center, he's fucking incredible. Um, he's clearly, I, I kind of... I was watching a little bit of that UC Santa Barbara game off off to the side as we were recording and then also kind of went back and looked at some, you know, one of those highlight packages. Uh, F.A. Abagidi is clearly the Cougs' best player, both offensively and defensively. Offensively, 
awesome rim runner, rim runner and he can also step back from about 15 feet and hit some of those mid-rangers even had a couple of of uh possessions in the post that looked really good and defensively he's a fucking nightmare um he's getting 3.3 blocks per game and against uc santa barbara i think he had four of them i'm pretty sure um and it felt like every time he was out there it was just affecting every shot within 12 feet of the basket it was insane to watch um and I think it's also helpful uh, for Abigail to have a perimeter scorer like Noah Williams, their two guard. Um, he's their leading scorer and really their primary shot creator. And he's good at it. He's not a great three-point shooter. Um, he's really good at creating his shots um, inside the line. Um, he's actually not ta- he's actually not made any three-point shots this year, but is shooting 55% or 58% from two this year. Um so it makes him enough of a threat to really mess with teams when Noah Williams and, and their big man, F. Abagidi, are running a bit of a two-man game. Um, but this, you know, that makes this Washington State team super fun to watch. Um, it sucks that we don't really get to see them deal with too many tests out of conference. UC Santa Barbara is pretty comfortably their toughest opponent per Ken Palm, and they're favored to uh, by Ken Palm to beat every other one of their non-conference opponents. But they get ASU in two weeks, and Ken Palm thinks ASU is going to win that game. So, um, you know, watching these teams, I'm not sure. Um, but ASU certainly has the size to kind of match up with Washington State and cause some of their some some of their bigs issues. Muhammad Gay also, I didn't even mention him for Washington State, also had some really nice um, minutes coming off the bench. Um, I I don't know. I think it'll be an interesting matchup. But uh, I think Washington State had a had a really good week also. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited to watch Washington State and Arizona play. Me too. I think that'll be a that really fun matchup. That's gonna be really fun. Yeah. 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 Be a great matchup. Like, <sighs> I mean, it's early, and I know Washington State hasn't quite played anyone, but it feels to me like Washington State and Arizona have the two best um, group of bigs in the conference. Um, I, th- I think uh, I think edge to Arizona just because we've seen it tested mm-hmm. against some good opponents. Um, Azulis Tubelis is just very very skilled, and um, um, Christian Coloco looks really good so far. But I, I don't know; it'd be very interesting. I, I think it's going to be fun. Um, no, to see those 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 cats go at it. I think Arizona's bigs bring a little bit more offensively, but uh, Abagidi's just such a beast defensively, and he's not like a negative offensively. You know that. It is close. Yeah. Any other uh, teams or anything that you want to shout out for for our peak of the pack? UCLA, USC still undefeated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're still going. UCLA kind of had a brutal game against uh, Long Beach State. Um, they won by twenty one, but um, Mick Cronin was pissed <laughs> about the defense. <laughs> they gave up seventy nine points. I think like. 57 of them or something ridiculous from two players who were just kind of drilling everything and ucla that was like a post villanova letdown game kind of just like didn't want to be there pretty obviously and then kind of cleaned it up in their next game against north florida um north florida taking some beatings from pac-12 teams um but um yeah uh, I will say a uh, slight, slight, slight peek of the back to Arizona State. I know they lost to San Diego. They beat North Florida and then lost to San Diego State. But they played San Diego State tough. And San Diego State is a good team. Good program and a good team. They're number 41 in Kempom, I think. Um, and it was in a tough place to play. They went to Viejas Arena in San Diego. Um, I was there for that game. I was very curious, and I kind of wanted to see Arizona State in person. And, you know, I, I, I've only ever been to one other SDSU game in person. And that was a that was a hostile environment. Um, that was a tough, tough place to play. Um, so, I don't know. Shout out to Arizona State for at least keeping that competitive, looking a little bit better than they had in the early, you know, in the early games, particularly against UC Riverside, where they kind of struggled and then eventually lost. But, yeah, so... Yeah, I thought that was a good result for them. Like I went yeah. into that expecting them to sort of roll over and die. Yes. But yes. they definitely did not. And so I feel a little bit better about them. That being said, I do think Baylor's going to crush them. Maybe not as bad as Baylor beat Stanford, but I don't think it'll be close. Yeah, let's let's talk about <laughs> Speaking of Stanford Baylor, let's introduce a new segment here. We're going to call it <laughs> Down Bad. Uh, the print, the premise of this is simple. Who do you think is down bad right now based on what's transpired over the last week of basketball? 
Uh, I'm going to start us off because I have something to say to one particular fan base. Oregon fans, uh, come closer, closer, closer. Listen carefully. Again, I want to reiterate, you are closer to Cal and basketball than you are to UCLA. I just I just want to make that clear because for weeks, for weeks, I have told them they are not on UCLA's level and they swear to me every single fucking time that Oregon is on the level of UCLA. Oregon uh, played BYU and got their asses kicked from the beginning. Like this was non-competitive from Oregon at like genuinely actually from the perspective of a Pac-12 fan I was rooting for Oregon um I hate BYU and I think they're a homophobic institution that ought to be dissolved but um I like I I, I, I was so I was rooting for Oregon but it, it was sort of like this is the team that is supposed to be competing and I get I so you know, one of the, the primary argument here from Oregon fans, um, and, and just to be clear, like, I don't even know what part of that game to break down. It was just like from the jump, Oregon had nothing going for them. It was like it was over very, very early. Um, uh, this was uh, I think this ended up being a 31 point loss. Dana Altman has never lost by that margin ever in November, December, while coach of Oregon. So like it's not like you know the 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 narrative around Dana Altman Oregon teams is ah you know November December kind of throwing that away and then they start gelling uh, in February, um, and uh, you know call me call me when it's February wake me up and then and then we'll start and then we'll start worrying if anything's going on there but Dana Altman's never suffered a a loss like that to BYU um, that they suffered to BYU. Um, I went back and checked their closest was a 27 point loss uh, in two in 2010. That was Dana Altman's first year in Oregon. So um, I don't know. I'm not sure how concerned we ought to be again. It's November. That was like the second week of November, but I don't know. I don't want to hear what I, I, I will tell you. I don't want to, and I haven't heard it for good reason, do not want to hear Oregon being mentioned in the same breath as UCLA until Oregon figures their shit out. Um, that was a, you know, some kind of sloppy play early, but then getting blown out by BYU. Uh, it's going to take some time to atone for that. <laughs> Please don't talk trash to me, Oregon fans. I love talking trash to you. You're not there yet. Uh, let, let me let me play with or- Arizona fans for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Did either of you get to watch any of that Arizona BYU game? Oh, yeah, it was brutal. I, I didn't watch the whole thing because it was awful to watch but what i got of it is they were terrible at shooting um and i think their defense was just okay but them not being able to score points really oh yeah hurt them on defense they were extremely tired they got beat up by byu which is is extremely embarrassing you know byu is a solid team i'm not gonna say they're dog shit because they're not but there's no reason that Oregon should have lost like this. It's absolutely ridiculous. After the episode where we like made our perfect Pac-12 basketball program, I was kicking myself for not drafting Will Richardson as my shooter. And after this game, I feel fine. I feel absolutely okay. He he couldn't get anything going. This whole team <laughs> it just was miserable to watch. And it was practically a home game. Um, it was at the Portland Trailblazers Arena. But that's... <laughs> That's all Oregon fans. So that's just super embarrassing. Um, Another team besides Oregon that I'm really feeling bad about right now is Oregon State. Um, Oregon State is currently on a four-game losing streak with losses to Iowa State, Tulsa, Sanford, and Princeton. Iowa State is probably the best loss on there, but Iowa State's not a good program, um, at least based off of their season last year where they, I believe, only had one win the whole year. Um, the loss to Princeton's just abhorrent. <laughs> I I think this team just has a lot of issues that they need to figure out. Keep in mind, they weren't, they honestly weren't good till the end of January last season, but it's, it's bad. It's pretty bad. It's a big fall. They go up against Wake Forest um, this Friday, who's undefeated. So I'm hoping Oregon State can get out a win, but right now it's just not looking great. Uh, the team I was I was gonna choose Oregon State as well. Like, uh, it just looks really really bad right now, and I believe that they will get better. But 
you know, can't be getting losses like this in non-con and expect to get in a large bid. Like, I would be shocked if they got one at this point because I just don't think they're going to turn it around quickly. And uh, I do think they'll get better later, but for now, they're there. Stanford, as uh, <laughs> as Carlos mentioned, Baylor nearly doubled their score. Like, <laughs> it was almost 40. It was, it was really bad, and uh, I'm just... I'm I'm very annoyed that uh, Haas is is allowed to do this with a roster like Harrison Ingram is a very good player, I think, and I'm frustrated that he is on Stanford because he should be <laughs> on a team with a coach who and a is pulse competent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, brutal, um, absolutely brutal for for Stanford. Um, about Oregon State, I did want to say that, like, they did figure it out in really, like, February, late February, if we're being honest, for Oregon yeah. State, where they went on, like, a four-game win streak to end the regular season, and then obviously had the conference tournament and yeah, um, NCAA only tournament run. They could get in. That's the- exactly what I was going to yeah. say right now. Like, they've pretty much put themselves in a position where they're going to have to replicate that, which I think is a big gamble, especially with the way the Pac-12 looks like, the top half of the Pac-12 looks. Mm-hmm. I think That's a huge gamble. Um, i going to be interesting to see if they can figure it out and maybe, you know, get respectable and maybe get like, uh, I don't know, a top seed, you know, a, a, a top seed in the NIT tournament at this point is what you got to hope for. Um, yeah. Assuming, currently- I mean... Mm-hmm. They have the worst record in the conference right now. I was going to say, are they worse yeah. than Washington and Cal? Yeah, because they have oh, no. one win. Oh, the record might be worse. I yeah. still firmly believe they're a better oh, team. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think they're better than Washington and Cal, but that's <laughs> embarrassing to have uh-huh. a worse record than Washington and Cal right now. To, like, not good teams. Samford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and know, I guess it was, like, Sanford, two straight yeah. one-point losses, but you have no business losing to those teams by any margin. Yeah. You should right. be there. Yeah, Colorado's another team that they're five mm. and one right now, so I feel really weird <laughs> saying that they're down bad. But this is the worst five and one team I've ever seen in my entire life. They it's almost bad. lost to Brown today. It's oh, that pathetic. was brutal. Oh, it's it's bad. Um they have no offense. It's exactly like Colorado football, which is funny because Matt asked us, Oh, is there any of that like culture that goes between football and basketball and we're like no not really this is it this is <laughs> i am watching colorado be coached by colorado football's offensive line coach um, yeah, that's where look, he went <laughs> yeah, they look really bad they they don't look like they have anything going on offense except um hoping like praying to god that evan batty like does something (laughs) like he's their whole source of offense it's it's brutal to watch um i was watching it today and it seriously looked like i was like watching a jv high school live stream it was oh it was bad yeah Yeah. uh, colorado not looking good for their uh I'm not expecting them to get none of that an at-large bid at this point either. Yeah, luckily I mean, they uh, came out of the final once they could, but they just look bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, they're surviving, but they're gonna, they're gonna. It feels like they're gonna deal with a tough stretch, and it's coming up. Uh, they gotta play Stanford, which like Stanford is not good, but we assume Stanford is better than the teams that they have escaped. Yeah. Um, and then they go at UCLA, then they play Tennessee, which I think is ranked in the top twenty at this point. Um, get a couple of gimmies there, and then they go play Kansas and then Oregon. So, <sighs> gonna be some probably some tough times for for Colorado, but uh, yeah, okay, all right, yeah. Uh, bottom half of the conference, pretty. Pretty stark difference, I think, between the bottom half and the top half of the conference. But we'll see how it plays out. Very curious to finally, we just got to get some tests. I really want to see some tests for these teams. Um, and and hopefully we'll we'll learn a lot more. Uh, so we're two weeks in right now. Uh, we're going into week three. But I know it's super early, but I want to do a little awards discourse. Um, just kind of thinking about over the past couple of weeks and what we've seen to this point so far. Let's start with the coaches. As of right now. If the season ended today, two weeks into two weeks into it, um, <laughs> who do you think is the Pac-12 coach of the year, or the, you know, Pac-12 coach of the first two weeks, uh, Greg? Uh, this this is a very tough one. I think there are a few answers that are 
defensible. And because of that, I'm going to choose now to be a homer. And I'll go with Craig Smith because that roster was decimated after uh, Larry Kristoviak was was fired. And uh, uh, Smith came in and rebuilt it. And he has them looking like an extremely well-coached team. And uh, I've been like, very very pleasantly surprised as a utah fan by just like how organized they look i wasn't expecting this and you know they've they've played really well and you know they haven't had any really top teams that they've had to play against but i think he's had a very hard job and he's doing it much better than i expected yeah and i overall just um impressive job i think what he's done given how little was left for him so grapes who did you who do you think is your uh coach of the coach of the first two weeks i wanted to be the homer but <laughs> craig took it so i can't <laughs> um i think it's Mike cronin which is such mm. an easy choice uh i think he has the best win in the conference right now i think he has just had the most solid looking team i think it's very clear that ucla is the best team in this conference which i guess you know he's not really coaching above expectations right now but it's kind of hard to say considering we're only two weeks in but i think he's been the best coach yeah i think that's uh a solid pick it's not who i would have gone number two but like the, the margins between the top coaches this short in the season very small so i think it's fine and like the only game where i felt like he's had to like you know be a good coach was the Villanova game and I thought his in-game decisions were perfect like he nailed everything and so that's a good pick as well yeah I mean the thing the weird thing about coach of the year or coach of the first two week awards is that it doesn't always go to the best coach it goes to the one that kind of exceeds expectations or or um kind of is doing things that you didn't otherwise think they could do so yeah Mick Cronin though might be might actually be I think is the best coach in the in the league I um I with Tommy Lloyd here. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's. I think the way Arizona is playing now. Granted, it's not like Ari's, It's not like he was the the cupboard was left bare, um, and it's not like Arizona was like a putrid, horrible team last year. But they weren't great. They were not. They were not particularly good, and that's why Sean Miller, frankly, got fired. Um, and Tommy Lloyd's kind of come in there and has utilized all the pieces that we has people kind of are talking about christian coloco as the most improved college basketball player in the country um and i think that's a testament to the position that tommy lloyd is kind of putting in him and the trust that he's putting in him um to kind of produce game in and game out so um i don't know i'm really excited by this arizona team like they had the best week they have the second best win in the conference now against michigan which like you know, Michigan lost to Seton Hall. I think they had one other. Did they have one other loss. I can't. I can't remember. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I. Why not? I mean, I. I think. Uh, I think they have a lot of pieces. I think they look really good right now, and especially coming coming from all the controversies that happened last. You know, last season. So, yeah. Well, Tommy Lloyd. Any other uh, coaches that you think are worth considering for coach of the first two weeks? Obviously, Kyle I think Smith. Kyle, Kyle Smith. Yeah, Smith, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's he's yeah. obviously one of them. They they haven't had any statement win yet wins though yet. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, I do want to say with Tommy Lloyd, I think our position as a podcast is that all of Gonzaga's success was due to him. Uh, Mark Few can go fuck himself. It was all Tommy Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> Truck Welcome stop to the coach. Conference of champions. Truck stop right. coach. Um, exactly. All right, let's go on to our next award here and teach some people about the, some of the best players in this conference. Let's talk about two weeks in right now, who is the Pac-12's MVP? And as always, you can find this however you want. Maybe you want to pick the best player in the league. Maybe you want to go with the classic best player on the best team. Maybe you want to go with the guy who means the most for his team. But to find it however you'd like. Um, so two weeks in, Grapes, you start us off. Who is your Pac-12 MVP? Yeah, this is a really hard question. Um, I think it's very clear, like I said, that UCLA is the best team. But I'm having a hard time single out, singling out one specific guy as like the best player two weeks in. Uh, I think there's a lot of arguments there. So I'm going to go with Christian Coloco, um, Arizona's big man. I think mm. the last two games that he's played in against Wichita State and then Michigan have been two of the best performances in the conference. Um, he's everywhere and I think one of the biggest things about him is he's not just a defensive center he's not just an offensive center he's 
everywhere. He's all over the court. You know, when he's on offense, he's making the play happen. He's just trampling over guys. He seems he is big, but he seems massive. And like we said, he made Michigan center look like nobody knew who he was when this is one of the best uh, big men in the entire country or is supposed to be. Um, And on offense, he's putting up points. Like I just said, he's really great on offense. And then over on defense, he's getting blocks. It felt like every single possession that Michigan had on offense, Christian Coloco was getting a block. It, It was insane. He was everywhere. And it was really fun to watch. And I think he's a really big contributor on this team. You know, it's nice having Ben Mathran and Azulis Dubelis um, right there with you because they have a big impact, but he just seems like so unstoppable and he's played one of the best. uh, I think he's played one of the best two weeks of anyone in the conference right now. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Um, I, I'm so torn on this. Um, I really, uh, before I talk about who I considered, I'm going to say my Pac-12 MVP has been Jules Bernard um, for Ooh. UCLA. I, uh, this, this, this is a hot take, but I, um, analytically, statistically, it's not. And if you're watching these games, I, you know, you might say it's not either. Um, I, I think he's the best. I think so far four games in two weeks in, he's the best player on this UCLA team. Um, I think what he does for them offensively, creating shots for himself and others, um, and really sort of having the offense go through him, which is weird because Tiger that was Tiger Campbell's job last year, and Tiger Campbell is still doing some of that, but this is that's Jules Bernard's job right now. Um, he's scoring efficiently. Um, defensively is very good, um, shockingly good, and the stats back that up. His defensive rating is very high, one of the highest on the team. His player efficiency rating is the highest on the team. His box plus minus, I think, is the highest on the team. Um, Jaime Jaquez is obviously going to get a lot of attention um, and a lot of love for being UCLA's best player, maybe their most valuable player. Um, But even the things that Jaime Jaquez does really well, like rebounding, Jules Bernard's not far behind him. Um, Shockingly, Jules Bernard has been every bit as good as Jaime Jaquez has been this year. And for me, maybe just a little bit better. Now, I think over time, we may see it kind of like revert back to stability and what we've always expected, which is Jaime Jaquez being the Pac-12's uh, and the UCLA's best player. Um, but four weeks in, I, I don't see why it's not Jules Bernard. So that's who I went with. Um, So I just picked out like three guys that y'all, well, I guess you sort of mentioned Jaime Jaquez, but I have two others that we haven't mentioned. But I'll, I'll start with Jaquez because, you know, you mentioned him a little, but... uh. He's been really, really good this year. Like, you know, you talked about how good Jules Bernard was, but, like, Jaime Hawkes is scoring, and he's getting rebounds, and I feel like he only has two assists, but I feel like his passing has been pretty good, too. And I do think he's a better defender than Jules Bernard is. Like, Jules Bernard is just... He doesn't have the same versatility that Hawkes does, you know? I think uh, Hawkes is bigger. He can guard bigger guys, but, you know, like... Thus far in the season, I won't disagree with you. Jules Bernard's improvement has been so impressive. Uh, the other two guys I want to mention, uh, F.A. Abagidi. Yeah, who, he's on my uh, list, we, too. We talked about earlier. Advanced stats adore him. Oh, yes. <laughs> Isn't this P.E.R.? Like, for people who don't know, player efficiency rating, uh, pretty, pretty simple widespread basketball metric for just, like, how efficient a player is in performing overall, given his time on the court. Um, 15 is, it's pretty, it's, it's averaged at 15 being normal. Um, typically you might see like, re, like the best players on the team hitting about 26, 27, 28. Isn't his player efficiency rating for F.A. Abagidi like 33 or something like that? It's 34.5. Jesus. <laughs> and like, I think it's a flawed stat, but that's not the only one. Like win shares per 40, uh, is point three two three uh which is also absurdly high his box plus minus is great and like i'm i i don't like using you know uh uh, advanced stats without context because i think sometimes you can like be fooled by them but Mm -hmm. if you're using them when you're actually watching him play it makes perfect sense just watching him he looks so important to that washington state team and that's a good team so uh I think he would have been a good pick. Also, uh, Benedict Matherin. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I really, really like watching him play. Like, he hasn't shot a great percentage from three this year. Let's see. I think he's at... Where is this percentage? Oh, I guess he's at 34% this year, which is honestly better than I thought. But I do think that percentage is going to go up. Like, he shot 40% last year. And uh, he just looks so fluid, like, as an athlete. Mm-hmm. The way he moves just is... It's fun to watch, and the way he can get to the basket, and the way he defends. Like, he's a great perimeter defender, and that's so valuable to have, especially when you've got, you know, like a big, like, Coloco down in the middle. It's just very hard to score against a team like that. Yeah, I hope he keeps it up, and I hope Washington State, you know, I, I understand they're not going to head into, they're not going to head into a, a game, like, in January undefeated, but I'm really hoping that at least they look good heading into a matchup they don't get to play arizona washington state doesn't get to play arizona until february 10th so we'll get to see that matchup very very late and hopefully they'll both be contenders by that time still um and we get to see fa abagiri go at it uh, toe for toe with christian coloco assuming christian coloco keeps this up so um yeah great great names around there anyone else you want to throw out there uh, those are the only ones I had, but I'm sure there are more. I've been very surprised with how good Boogie Ellis has been. I thought he would be yeah. good. He has been much better than I expected. Uh, I don't have his stats pulled up, but just from like, you know, yeah, what I've seen of USC this year, I've, I've enjoyed. Yeah. He's had some big, big, big games. Um, they'll get a nice test Wednesday, December 1st, uh, in two, in two weeks. That's Utah. Um, so maybe we'll get to see a, a test for Utah and a little bit of a test for USC. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, okay. All right. So let's go on to our last award here. Um, let's call this the appointment viewing award. Aside from your own team, which team in the Pac-12 do you think is the most fun to watch? Um, and, and you can consider including a team that's maybe fun to watch even when they're blowing out the other team that they're playing. Um, it doesn't have to be the best team or even a particularly good team right now. So just tell us who is the most fun to watch right now. Greg, you start. So this episode has been a bit of an Arizona love fest, <laughs> and I'm going to keep it on theme. Arizona's my pick. I already said how much I like watching Matherin play. I really like watching Coloco and Dubellis play too. And uh, as we said, uh, Kirk Kreese. And just, I, li- I really like the way they play. Uh, it's it's fun watching a team with, with bigs like that dominate. But the perimeter players aren't bad either, you know? Like, it's just, <laughs> Arizona, I just thoroughly enjoy every time I watch them. Yeah, no, I think... Um... I think that's right. They're they're certainly a joy to watch, and um, just watching the versatility that these like mm-hmm. you know fucking six ten seven foot dudes have, um, and to be able to play the way that they do, and and now against some of the best competition in the country. Um, yeah, I mean this is kind of a hard one for me. Hard not to pick UCLA here. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think Utah is particularly enjoyable, but you know no, but. But here's the thing, sometimes that, especially if it's your own team, if your own team makes shit ugly, it's it's beautiful. It's perfect. There's nothing, <laughs> I got to tell you all, there's nothing better, no more satisfaction than the other team being an elite offensive team and then having your shitty ass offense drag them into the mud with you. <laughs> nothing better than that, of being like... Gonna be great when UCLA's Ferrari just drives into the Utah mud pit oh. in January. Oh, well, you wow. know, it's funny. Mick Cronin loves... You know, they called him Mutt Cronin for a while. Um, <laughs> you, he loves playing in those games, so maybe that's right in his environment. It'd be fun. No, it'd be great. So it'd be good when Arizona has to go to Utah and suddenly these bigs are just like shooting 12% from the field or something stupid like that um i think uh, this is a hard one for me i'm gonna go with arizona state i think when they're on they're fun um marcus bagley didn't get to play against san diego state kind of a bummer who knows what that game would have turned out like if marcus bagley who's their best player that would have turned out kamani lawrence is a lot of fun to watch um i think alonzo gaffney does a lot of really important stuff there <laughs> their guards are Big time boomer bust there, um, and it's and it's funny because that's how Arizona State's guards have been forever under Bobby Early. So Luther Muhammad, don't know what you're gonna get from him any given at any given point. Um, I you know 
I, I when they're on, they're fun to watch for me. And also, they've had like the craziest moment already in this season against UC Riverside. Maybe they're also just going to keep it close and exciting. So, um, yeah, that's 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 who I'll go with. I think there's probably a more obvious one. Maybe Avery will say it, but Avery, who do you think is uh, the most fun team to watch right now? I agree with Greg. It's Arizona. Mm. I I haven't had as much fun watching a team as I did watching Arizona against Michigan yesterday. That was the biggest delight of my life. It was so much fun. Um, U- UCLA is right there. Uh, I'm currently watching the UCLA game and I can't stop looking at it. It's it's a blast um, to watch that team and just their offense and anything Johnny Juzang does. It sometimes gets super ugly, but I love it so much. Um, Arizona State, I Arizona State keeps it close with whoever they play, which I guess is exciting. But when they're not on, they're disgusting to watch. Like they're they're down there with Stanford when they're not playing their best basketball, <laughs> and that's just not an enjoyable experience that I don't wish uh, that I wish on anyone. Anyways, yeah, I, I love watching Arizona and UCLA play. Um, I like Utah. Uh, we're not supposed to mention our own team. I like watching Utah play because I think it's fun because they're my team. But they're absolutely brutal to watch if you're not a Utah fan. So hopefully that gets better because oof, they're good at defense, I guess, if you like watching great basketball defense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's completely fair. Um, I, I'm surprised no one said Washington State. I feel like they can be pretty fun. Um, now I know the thing is they're just their their competition is. That's what it is. Uh, I need to see them against a good yes. opponent so bad because it's like I like watching them play, but it's excruciating mm-hmm, yeah. because who they're playing. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. Yeah. Watching Fa Abagidi do his thing, just like it's, it is running cool. around dominating, is fun. And I'm going to enjoy it much more when it's happening in March against some, like, ACC team who has never watched Washington <laughs> State play. It's going to be beautiful. This is, yeah, the, the investment in these moments here where we're just going to be like, yeah, let's watch Washington State against UC Santa Barbara or something. It's going to pay off when they are when they have some moments and you're like, oh, oh, F.A. Abagidi's for real or something, right? Um, it'll be fun. Anyway, thanks for engaging in our little awards here. Now that we've done all that, let's get on to some game picks. Okay. Um, As always, I select a handful of games for us to pick for the following week. Games that I think are intriguing and interesting, even to Pac-12 casuals. I got three games for us for this week. First up, the big one. This is... um, the one we've been waiting for for months. Um, if this were a football game, we'd be calling it a game of the century. A rematch of the all-time classic dogfight in the Final Four. Number two, UCLA plays number one Gonzaga in Las Vegas as part of the Empire Classic on Tuesday night. The day that this episode releases. Um, so by the time you wake up, um, you better put this on so you can see whether we're right about UCLA Gonzaga. Anyway, before you pick, what are you looking for in this game and or who are you going to be most curious to see against Gonzaga? Grapes. Ooh, I think I'm most excited to see if Johnny Juzang can play defense now. Um, <laughs> that's been the worst part about his game uh he's still good enough at offense that it settles it uh, settles it i guess so if he can play defense um and then i'm still not high on miles johnson at all i i have not been impressed this is a huge test for him uh if he can hold off drew timmy then we'll see uh i think that ucla is gonna win this game though i'm very excited to watch it i think this game, Gonzaga-UCLA in the tournament last year, was the best basketball game I've ever seen in my entire life. And after it ended, I was still so happy and delighted to have watched it, even though UCLA lost. I wish they would have won. But I think they go away with this one. Um, the whole team has been firing on all cylinders, and I'm really excited to see if Mick Cronin keeps it up with his in-game adjustments tomorrow. Yeah, I'm... So right now, UCLA is not quite put away Bellarmine. It's halftime. It's 35 to 26. They will almost certainly put it away at some point. But um, it's been, this one's looked a little ugly just from off the side of my, you know, off my periphery here. 
you know, is it a matter of UCLA just kind of, you know, getting through these games against nothing opponents and then, you know, really turning it on when they've got a, when they've got big games to play? Maybe. Um, I don't know. It's, I think one of the most interesting things is how they're going to manage rotations. Um, right now, I think there's just a lot of bodies to play and, and figuring out who's going to do that. Miles Johnson, like you said, Avery, has not looked great. It does not look particularly good offensively in this one against Bellarmine. Um, granted, their defense looks much, much better, I guess. Um, kind of a kind of a floor there in terms of, or a ceiling in terms of how good you can look against a Bellarmine on defense. I don't know. Going to be interesting. I'm going to be interesting to see what they do with Drew Timmy this time around. Are they going to put Jalen Clark there? They're 6'5". What is he? A guard? A forward? I don't know what he is. Um, they just stick him. They'll stick him anywhere. He can guard. One, <laughs> he, he can guard really two through five. Um, I think so. Yeah, that's what I'll be watching. I'm going to be watching what they do with Drew Timmy. I'm going to be watching and see if Miles Johnston can can take him or if they're going to have to go to Jalen Clark here early because Cody Riley's going to be out. He's still out for this. So, Greg, what are you going to be watching for? Yeah, uh, I'm very intrigued by how they handled not just Drew Timmy because he's not the only big Gonzaga has that you got to worry about. They've got Chet Holmgren too, and uh, I'm, I'm worried. I don't think UCLA is going to be able to go small against a team with two centers like that, especially when one of them can shoot. Uh, I think Drew Temme is the kind of player that Miles Johnson will succeed against more. Like, he's not hes not especially quick. Like, he's not going to move too fast for Miles Johnson to handle him. So I, I'm sort of optimistic, but I, I don't think... Uh, I don't think UCLA can beat Gonzaga without Cody Riley. All right, well, let's hear... Uh, let's hear your prediction. So, Greg, sounds like you're picking Gonzaga. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take Gonzaga gonna take the truck with stop. the caveat that if Cody Tommy Ryan Lloyd playing, isn't there anymore, Greg. Tommy Lloyd's gone, Greg. the uh, the the brain <laughs> the brain trust of Gonzaga is this gone. This is a good point, but Drew Timmy <laughs> and Chet Holmgren are still there, so I will I will take the brainless Gonzaga <laughs> because that is a little bit better than the Cody Riley-less UCLA. Uh, give me UCLA. Drew Timmy is a truck stop player to the extreme. Most <laughs> annoying player I have ever seen. I cannot wait for Miles Johnson to lock his ass up. I'm ready. Oh, God, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel good about that. Graves, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to pick UCLA, mainly back the pack. Um, <laughs> this isn't in Polly. I wish it were. <laughs> I think that's a big part of why they beat Willanova, but... Um, yeah, give me UCLA. I believe I believe in Johnny Juzang and Jaime Hawkes and Jules Bernard and Tiger Campbell and whoever they end up putting in at center. I feel like Peyton Watson might get a lot of minutes in this game. No, let's see. It'll be interesting. They're kind of testing him out against Bellarmine today, so we'll see how that goes. Um, okay, Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific, Arizona State plays the defending champion Baylor Bears in the battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. The winner goes on to play the winner of Syracuse VCU, while the loser plays the loser of Syracuse VCU. Uh, this is pretty comfortably Baylor stuff his opponents this season, but uh, more true for Arizona State also. This is uh, <laughs> their toughest opponent. Graves, who wins? Uh- ASU, if they're going to play close with every single opponent, it'll be very interesting to see how this game goes. Do we know if Bagley's back for this? I don't know. It's a good point. I should have checked that. I think that would help a lot. I don't think ASU is going to win this one. I think it's I think it's going to be a lot closer than it should be, but I think that Baylor is going to run away with this in the end just because good things can't happen to Arizona State Athletics. Yeah, I don't know. They really do choke away a lot of stuff. They were competitive against a good SDSU team. Is that going to be able to carry in the Bahamas against uh, what is ostensibly a good Baylor team? I don't know. Um, we're not tracking picks for this for this for basketball yet, are we? For not, I'm picking. I'm picking Arizona State. Why not? What do I have to lose? I can be sub five hundred in basketball. <laughs> Start Who cares? Picks in conference play. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, Baylor's going to kick the shit out of his. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, okay, and then our last of the three here that I've picked, Saturday, November 27th, BYU goes to Salt Lake City to play Utah and the Huntsman. Utah finally gets a big test to see how much they progressed under first-year head coach Craig Smith. Greg, who wins? I can't believe that I'm, I'm doing this, but I'm going to pick 
three truck stops three today. Three truck oh, stops, Oh, my God. <sighs> it's brutal, but, like, I can't pick Utah to win this game because, like, they're just so much less talented than BYU is right now. And uh, it, I, Mark Pope is also a great coach, so I'm not expecting much of an advantage at any spot except for it is in the Huntsman, and so hopefully that does something. But I'll take BYU. I do think Utah will... I don't think BYU will have fun playing Utah, though. Like, I think Utah will drag them into the mud a bit. Yeah, that's that's my consideration. Now you can you can <laughs> you can make up for some serious talent deficiencies if you just make this game dirty and disgusting and drag them in the mud. And that's the kind of stuff that makes uh, makes college basketball exciting. Um, is Utah going to be able to successfully slow this down, limit the number of possessions, and make BYU work for everything? If they can, ah, uh, why not? Uh, why can't they pull it out? I'm gonna say I, I'm never. I'm not gonna pick a truck stop. Why? Why do I even do these picks? Give me Utah. Um, I think <laughs> I they. I think they very well could make this shit ugly and muck it up. Why not? And if they do, it'd be fun. I, I don't know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. Good test for Utah. Grace, what do you think? Yeah, it's in the Huntsman Center. It's a, It's Utah's playing at home, which is nice. It can be a pretty good environment when people actually go, and we know that Utah fans get up for some rivalry bullshit. So I expect the Huntsman Center to be absolutely packed. Um, Utah's going to win. I feel pretty good about it. I don't feel think good BYU, about it. Wow. I feel pretty good about it. Um, I am a witch, and I will be in attendance at this game. I think that Utah is going to do exactly what you said and just drag them down to the depths of hell in the worst basketball game you've ever seen. <laughs> um, the key to winning this game is making BYU shooters incredibly uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. I think that's what Utah does best. We're going to see a lot of sloppy offense from Utah, but hopefully David Jenkins Jr. can go off for Utah and score a bunch of points. But, yeah, BYU is not going to win in the Huntsman Center. I, I refuse to believe it, so... Okay, well, uh, almost almost had a clean sleep. <laughs> almost had a clean sleep. Let's. Uh, all right, that's it. Let's wrap this up. As always, please yell at us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod. Talk hoops with us, please, and follow us because sometimes we have Twitter Spaces post game talk with Pac twelve fans there. Um, it's always a blast. It's fun doing live Twitter Spaces post game. You might be doing one for Gonzaga. I think. Um, I, I think Avery, you'll have to start it because I I'll be at the game, so I'm gonna be late. We shouldn't do it. Depend on me next time. Um, anyway, yeah, check that out. We'll probably be doing a Twitter Spaces post game. Um, you don't. I don't think you have to have a Twitter account for Twitter Spaces. I'm pretty sure. I think anyone can just kind of get on. I think to talk, you might have to to have a uh, a twitter account but um get a twitter account and get on twitter spaces and uh you know take a listen and hear what other fans are having to say about that anyway done here for avery at brave underscore grapes and greg at banana morphs i'm carlos at equity Bruin. thanks for listening remember there are no truck stops here not even one Still and thick with smoke, so